from B Media Production. This is Business Essentials, practical advice and ideas to grow your business. Welcome to this episode of Business Essentials Podcast. I'm Peter Letts. No one wants to fail in business, do they? But is failure such a terrible thing? Not at all, says Gabe Zickerman, US entrepreneur, author, keynote speaker, and all-round advocate of the power of failure. Not to destroy us, but to unleash our innovative spirit and make us more successful. Gabe says we should embrace failure, and he's now a driving force behind a global mass movement called Failosophy to spread the word. Gabe speaks from experience. Over the lifespan of six businesses, he's experienced failure and success in equal measure. And he says, if we're not on the precipice of failure right now, we're not trying hard enough. So what is it about failure that Gabe would like us to reconsider? He's talking to Heather Dawson. Well, I think failure for many people is one of the most shameful and difficult experiences of their lives. Uh, You know, we're taught from a very early age to avoid failure, to try to do everything we can to not mess up in our lives. And I think we've seen the pendulum sort of swing one direction and the other. So like when I was a kid, we were all taught, you know, failure is bad, don't make mistakes. And I think kids today, you know, broadly are taught to avoid situations that might have the potential for failure. And I think what we really need to do, if we really want to get maximum performance, maximum innovation out of our people and our organizations, what we need to do is we need to say, failure is okay. Failure is a normal part of our lives. And when we do fail, we need to try not to rationalize it or pretend it didn't happen or try to reframe it as something else. Let's actually embrace it and own it as the thing that it is. Well, you've actually said, Gabe, I believe that if you're not on the precipice of failure right now, you're probably not trying hard enough. So is it all about being prepared to take more risks? Is that what that means? Yeah, I think the way that I I think about this kind of precipice of failure idea is that many people in their lives find themselves in situations where they're in their lane, right? You've done this one job, you've done it your whole life. You have this team that's done the same thing over and over and over again. And that idea that you could fail, that feeling that you might fail, I think is a very interesting early warning signal that you're onto something cool and interesting and that's pushing yourself. Meaning, if you don't feel the fear of failure, if you're not currently in a moment where you're like, oh, this could blow up, then you're not pushing yourself hard enough. And so it's an early warning signal. And I want people and organizations to think about when they fear failure, when they feel that fear of failure, to look at that and say, oh, I'm on the right track here. Well, I understand that of the six businesses that you've created, Gabe, three were successes and three were failures. So what was different about the successes versus the failures? Well, I would like to say, you know, fundamentally that I was not responsible for that in any way, but um, that would not work um, because, in (laughs) fact, I take a great deal of responsibility for what happened as founder and CEO. You know, I think there's a number of different things that make a project work or make a project, you know, not work. And especially when you're doing a startup or some very high risk, you know, research and development or innovation project, you have a high degree of failure. And, you know, what's funny is that the businesses that, you know, ended up ultimately succeeding did so because of a combination of timing and market and the team. And those that didn't did so because of a combination of timing, the market and a team. But when I reflect back on these ideas, my successes and my failures, what I'm struck by 
is this concept called portfolio theory, which I don't know if you've ever heard of or your listeners have heard of. But the idea is that when you're measuring the success or failure of a portfolio of investments, so this is a strategy that venture capitalists and professional investors use regularly, that when you measure the performance of a set of investments over time, you need to look at the whole portfolio and not each one of the investment events separately. And, you know, for a typical venture capitalist, when they make 10 investments, seven are going to return no money, two will return some money, and one will return a lot of money. And that's how their portfolio is structured. We as individuals, when we think about our careers, when even when we look at, you know, innovation in a small business or a medium-sized company, we view every single opportunity as this do or die moment. Like if I'm not successful with this project right now at this moment, I've messed up. But in fact, you have to be able to look at it longitudinally. That's what investors do. And that's what we need to start doing with our own careers and our company innovation. Well, now, Gabe, you're part of the global philosophy movement. Is it amazing that failure is being embraced around the world now? Yeah, I, I'm excited to find this sort of, as I've been you know, working on this project, to find the tribe of people around the world who are really you know, into failure. And a lot of this is culturally dependent. So I think there's countries and organizations where failure is easier to handle and those where failure is harder to handle. There's ones where, you know, there's even the factor of socioeconomic status. You know, I've written about uh, minority entrepreneurs and their feelings around the risk of failure or immigrant entrepreneurs and their, their feelings around the risk of failure. And, you know, they often feel like everything is very high stakes. You know, if they mess up, they've blown multiple generations of investment in their future, their parents or grandparents, you know, whoever came to the country and so on. You know, so I think we are at a relatively early stage of its gestation. And I think we have, you know, mostly tech companies to thank for this attitude towards smart risk. But it is very exciting to see it and continue to talk about it in so many different cultural contexts. Well, you've posed the question, Gabe, and you've mentioned it just now anyway, that um, if failure is the best teacher, then why doesn't anyone teach us to fail better, which is obviously what you've asked yourself as well. Yeah. But in what ways can we fail better then? This is the part where I, you know, I'm really excited about changing behavior in this regard. So I, number one, whenever you're faced with a failure, so if you're in a situation where something is falling apart professionally, personally, the very first thing that you need to do is acknowledge that it's happening. Don't pretend that it's not happening. Don't pretend that things might fix themselves at the last minute, what we often call in business strategy a Hail Mary pass. You need to actually accept it. You need to say that this is actually happening and deal with it in reality. I think the second thing that you need to do is you need to acknowledge that the fear of failure and the feeling of failure is actually hard. And it's perfectly normal for you to feel stressed out or anxious when dealing with a failure. And I often you know, remark on people that when my last startup onward was collapsing, I didn't feel good about the failure and I was very stressed out. I was really depressed, uh, you know, couldn't get out of bed many days. And then I also, you know, thought that like, okay, in the tech industry, we're supposed to be totally cool with failure. Failure is good. So then I started beating myself up as to why I wasn't feeling better about the failure, right? So here I am dealing with the substantive failure and then I'm beating myself up for failing at my reaction to failure. 
So it was a sort of down, downward spiral, very, <laughs> very difficult emotionally, you know, that didn't help. So I think that's the second thing is to say, you shouldn't be copacetic with failure. Everyone knows if, you know, God forbid you lose a child, a child of yours dies or a spouse of yours dies, you know, you're not just going to be like, oh, well, I'll have another kid. Why are we that way? Why are we expected to be that way when something professionally happens? Like it, you know, you need to mourn and you need to move on. And then I think the other thing is to really look at that fear of failure and counter program against it. So after you've had this bump in the road, this loss, what you need to do once you've collected yourself and feel better is you need to actively do something that responds to the loss that you've had. So in my case, that was, you know, starting this philosophy movement, but for other people in their professional lives, it can be, you know, doing another project. And like, if you just, you know, did a startup and it failed, um, maybe don't assume that you'll never do a startup again, but instead start exploring ideas that are actually interesting to you. And I think when we practice this professionally and personally, we can create a lot of, a lot more positive reactions and opportunities. Well, final question. You now help organizations embrace failure to succeed. So is this what you're doing when you go into work with other businesses? Uh, Yeah. So it's really like working on the structure of the innovation process and training people, which is a, a thing that I increasingly do, training people in organizations on how to like take that fear of failure, take that that failure revulsion to failure, that rejection of failure, and actually turn that around on itself. And, you know, one of my favorite examples, um, you know, it's not my work, but I think it's a really good example, you know, is Netflix. And at Netflix, you know, they have a KPI, they've got a performance indicator, which is called show cancellation. And every television network has this. They're basically, you know, the percentage of their shows that are canceled in a given year. At Netflix, instead of trying to manage the show cancellation metric down, like you might find at NBC or SBS, instead of trying to manage that KPI down, they try to manage that KPI up, so to make that number larger. And the reason why they do that is because of a belief that if they're not canceling enough shows, they're not taking enough risks, and ultimately their programming will cease to be innovative and they'll start failing as a result. And so it's patterns like that that I I share and I work with organizations today around the world. And, you know, the more of this that we can learn, the more organizational memory we can create around embracing failure, I think the more innovative we can be. Gabe Zickerman. And that ends Business Essentials Podcast. So you don't miss out on future episodes, why not subscribe? And if you found this valuable, we'd love you to leave a review. For further information about us, or if you'd like to listen to more interviews like this one, visit businessessentials.com.au. We hope you've enjoyed Business Essentials Podcast. I'm Peter Letts. Thanks for listening. This Business Essentials Podcast has been produced by B Media Production, building engagement and adding value through quality audio communication.